Welcome to Money Making Conversations. It's the show that shares the secrets of success experienced firsthand by marketing and branding expert Rashawn McDonald. I will know. He's given me advice on many occasions, and in case you didn't notice, I'm not broke. You know he'll be interviewing celebrity CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers. It's what he likes to do. It's what he likes to share. Now it's time to hear from my man, Rashawn McDonald. Money Making Conversations. Here we go. Welcome to Money Making Conversation. I am your host, Rashawn McDonald. I say this every week on my show. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories and start writing your own. And people you hear talk about in gifts, they talk about passion. If you have a gift, lead with your gift. And don't let your age, friend, family, or coworker stop you from planning or living your dreams. My interviews are for you, whether you're a consumer or everyday 40-hour week guy who works a job, a young lady, a business owner, because I give you access to celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and what I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is Tracy McMillan. She's a relationship expert, television writer, an author whose credits include Mad Men, one of my favorite shows, Good Girls Revolt, Marvel's Runaways, I love anything that's Marvel related, and United States of Tara, which is outstanding. She's the author of three books, a memoir, I Love You and I'm Leaving You Anyway, a novel, multiple listings, and a relationship book, Why You're Not Married, dot, 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 yet. She is on the show because she is the host of OWN's popular Family of Fiancé. Family of Fiancé. Right there, you know there's a choice. Where the couples have to make a decision, Family of Fiancé. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Tracy McMillan. Hello. Well, Tracy, you're a fantastic-looking individual. You're charismatic. You you command the screen. And you are a writer. I am. First and foremost. Talk about that. Talk about being that that producer, that creative sort, because when you write, you tend to be by yourself a lot, unless you're in the writer's room. That's true. That's true. So talk Um, about that. So I started out in journalism. I worked in broadcast journalism for 16 years. I, and you know, the, the thing about being a writer and starting in journalism in particular broadcast is that you're not writing because you're feeling inspired. You're writing because there's a deadline and you need to get hit your deadline. End of story. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that was really great background for me because I'm not waiting for something to happen. I'm just doing it. Right. Um, as far as writing is concerned, because, you know, procrastination is a really big part of writing potentially. And if you don't make yourself do it, it just doesn't happen. Well, the, the part also is that, you know, because you hear famous terms like writer's block, you know, yeah. terms about uh, creative direction. But when I read off your credits, and I, it's important that you understand why I read them off, because they are basically shows where I, when I started my writing career, Steve Harvey, Me and the Boys, and then went over to Parenthood with Robert Townsend, Arsenio's Hall sitcom, uh, Sister Sister with the twins, Tia and Tamara Maury, and then Jamie Foxx show and the Parkers. All those were urban sitcoms. Right. So I was kind of pigeonholed. You know, if I if I try mm-hmm. to write a spec script, they say, ah, oh, to try to get on a Jerry Seinfeld type show or a home improvement type show, I had to write those type of specs. How did right. you get into the writer's game? And let's talk about the different uh, fields, opportunities you've been given as a writer, because you okay. go from drama to sci-fi to, uh, yeah. to a really interesting platform of writing. <laughs> Sometimes I feel very lucky, like I'm the Tom Hanks of television writers. Like I just get to do all these different things. And I don't know how I got lucky that way, but I will tell you how I started. So I had, I knew one person in the business. It was a mom friend of mine. We had met on a blind mom play date. 
Mm-hmm. So this friend of mine said, oh, I met this mom. I think you'd like her. So we went out and our kids were like two. My kid's now 24. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, we're talking and I'm like, so what are you about? You know, I'm, I'm living in Los Angeles. She's like, oh, I'm a television writer. I was like, oh, I've always secretly wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Right. And she said, well, basically you have a protagonist and they have a problem. They get themselves up a tree. They try to solve their problem. They get themselves further up the tree. They try to solve the problem again, and they fall out of the tree. Right. And then <laughs> that's basically the end of the episode. There's a little epilogue after that, but that's it. Right. And I went, oh, okay, that's good. So I went off and I wrote two spec scripts without even knowing what I was doing. This uh-huh. is in like the year 2000. Right. I wrote a Dharma and Greg and a um, Drew Carey. Absolutely. And two it, very popular sitcoms. What, and so I showed them to her and she said, wow, everyone thinks they can do my job, but you actually could. Mm-hmm. Now, in a perfect story, that would be it. I got a job. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a job. In fact, I went, OK, that's nice to know. But I'm like very busy being a mom and I didn't have the self-esteem. I had a lot of stuff I had to work on internally mm-hmm. before I was going to be able to say yes to that kind of career move mm-hmm. or that life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got busy with all that work, not even knowing that's what I was doing. And the opportunity came around again in 2005. So five years later, I was going through a big, my, the ending of my third marriage, Uh I was in a real soul searching moment and I decided to write something, a drama, a a movie Uh to work my way through the process. And when I was done with it, I sent it to this woman. We weren't close because her career had taken off. Uh And, um, but she was like, I know you can write. So I'll send it to my agent. If he likes it, he'll call you. And if he doesn't, he won't. And eight months later, he called me. And that was the beginning. And it took (laughs) another year after that to get my first job. But once I started, and at that time I was 42. Uh So I was like the wrong age, the wrong color, went to the wrong school, the wrong everything, but it did not matter there was still room for me. Well, you know, it's and really interesting. That's that a big lesson. I always tell people, like, um, I found myself, my voice in my 40s. You know, despite yeah. the success I had, uh, a, a success that people considered was incredible, I really didn't, um, I guess, have the confidence, uh, a sense of direction that I could do that. And yeah. so the reason I bring that up, because a lot of people limit themselves when they hit a certain age. You know, yeah. they don't do it in their 20s or their 30s. They feel, oh, time is up. I can't do it. And yeah. both you and I are saying in our 40s, we found our voice. And we found yeah. our voice. Basically, our careers took off. Yeah. And it took off because we finally believed in each other. You know, I was still, I was managing Steve Harvey at the time. And, and we was in L.A. And I was making some decisions, positive decisions. But again, I was, I'd written all these sitcoms, you know, we have done all these concerts, sold them out nationwide. But in the end, I had thrown myself into a world that I was successful. I didn't understand. And so mm-hmm. with that, insecurities are there, even though you're yeah. achieving success. So you overcame your insecurities. And so yeah. you walk into a writer's room, first time only. Talk about that experience. Well, my first writer's room, everybody went around the table and they were introducing themselves. And each they'd a lot of them had come from the West Wing because the showrunner had run the West Wing. Mm-hmm. They were all incredibly smart, <laughs> very established, very successful TV writers. And you know, it's very common for those people to have gone to Ivy League schools, yes. specifically Harvard. Mm-hmm. And so they each go around, and there's 12 writers on the show, mm-hmm. and literally 
the first nine writers all say, you know, I went to Harvard or whatever, and my dad's a doctor. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this was when I first realized that television writers disproportionately have dads who are doctors. So anyway, we get to me and I'm like, well, I went to the University of Utah and my dad's in federal prison. <laughs> and it was like, oh, okay. But there was a way in which that I was owning it. And that it was just like, I was like, all right. And from really, even before that, I had learned that the things that I thought were the most um not necessarily shameful, but the things that I thought I would be least understood for, Mm -hmm. which is my history as a foster child, my dad in prison, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things, my mom, a prostitute, Mm -hmm. like all these things turned out to be the things that Hollywood loved me for. They could not get enough of my story (laughs) with my three husbands and everything that had gone on. So it's the other big lesson was just to lean into who you are because who you are is perfect for whatever dream is on your heart. Well, you know, I really, first of all, your honesty is what also is your blessing, okay? Because a lot of people hide from their background, hide from them because they feel that may be damaging to their opportunity. And like I said, you know, if you're working for IBM, if you're working for, uh, Google probably doesn't matter anymore now because everybody's like, be yourself, wear what you want to wear type attitude nowadays. But back then, when you're talking about trying to break into an industry, that's true. I've been in these writers' rooms, and you were in for a drama. That's, to me, sitcoms always had a lot of writers. Dramas, and you say you was in a room with 12 people, that's a lot of Writers that was drama. the end of the the old era. It right. literally was the very end of the old era, 2007. And then we had the writer's strike. And from that point on, a writer's room was like six people. Right. Maybe. Right. And so, like, so I was letting everybody know there was a transition period because in sitcoms, yeah. you need more writers because of the fact you're pitching jokes and you're pitching yeah. a faster move, moving process. And so, yeah. you, so you need people not to burn out and not to be pitching the same jokes. But in dramas, it's really tied to the emotion of the writer and you can shape right. the moment and the scenes and all that. Now, mm-hmm. I'm a sitcom guy. You're a drama person. That's your first writer's <laughs> job. Then you get, then you realize you can do this. This is what I want to talk about people. You were okay. talking to Tracy. Lisa McMillan, she is the host of Family of Fiance, which is on OWN Network. We're going to talk about that in a minute, which is an amazing show. But I often like on my show is say, people say, how did they get there? How did she get that opportunity? How did she overcome the odds? She just told you, you know, you know, the premise is that she from you, she graduated from Utah, her dad from prison, went to prison, her mom was a prostitute, but she didn't limit that cell, limit her opportunities, foster child. And all those are negatives. How do you start sliding those negatives, Tracy, into a positive side? out of the box? I think it's really about understanding and embracing that if this is your story, it's for good. And that everything is happening for you, not to you. You know, I mean, the fact of the matter is I had some amazing foster homes. Like I always say, um, there's one version of my life where I got born and then my mother gave me up at three months and I was abandoned and Mm -hmm. victimized, you know, Um, But there's another story where I got born, I took a look around and I said, 
I can do better than this. <laughs> and I got out of there and I started getting exposed to some different things at right. the age of three months. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's all about how you frame it as right. far as I'm concerned. Right. Uh, I see animation in your future, too, because you just have a, a really huge mind of animation and creativity. Wait, a what in my future? Animation. Animation. Oh, I, oh okay. I just say yes to everything. I remember people used to say to me many years ago in TV uh, news, they'd be like, you know what? You should know Oprah. You should have your own show. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I probably should. Like, that sounds good. Right. I was not saying no to anything. I was just like, all right. Yeah, I'm down with that, even though. I think it's not about looking at the how. You have to take your focus off the how and keep your focus on the what. Right. And then raise your own vibration to where you're matching whatever it is that you want. And I know that sounds kind of woo-woo. The other thing I'll say is I kind of work harder than other people. Right. <laughs> like I get a tremendous amount of work done. Right. I crank out the writing. Like there was a period of eight years where I wrote three books. I was on a whole bunch of TV shows. Like it was, I mean, as a writer. And Mm -hmm. then I ended up writing this piece that went viral. Mm -hmm. And it, it was on the Huffington Post. Maybe it was the most read for almost three years. It just turned into this huge thing. And all it was, was me sitting down to write my truth as though nobody was watching. Right. And uh, I put it in the Huffington Post and the rest is history. And that's where this on-air career came from. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing is, is I'd gone to broadcast journalism school. I'd worked in TV news for mm-hmm. 16 years. Right. I knew what to do. I had just been saying no to on camera my whole life because I was like, I don't know. I'm a Virgo. I like being behind the scenes. <laughs> I'm kind of a weirdly... Um, internal. I know I look like I'm an extrovert, but actually I'm sort of bookish. I just want to read and be back here and have nobody (laughs) pay attention to me. Um, So there was a part of me that didn't want to do it, but you know, God or the universe, whatever you want to call it, divine intelligence, spirit, whatever the plan is, that's going to happen. It doesn't really matter what you say. Right. We know some, you know, some Tracy, when I, when I looked at you, uh, you know, my, one of my gifts is just perception. And I just recognize people when I, and I really could, I, I can basically say, I don't need to talk to you because I just know who you are, you know, based right. on my, and when I look at you, when I watch the shows, you have a Zen about you. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a Zen that, you know, is like it, it, a sixties type Zen, which is a laid back, uh-huh. but very confident, but very relaxed personality, mm-hmm. which means that yeah. if I have any defenses, you immediately relax them. Yeah. And so that when I, and that was important to me to see that because mm-hmm. you're a relationship expert. How did yeah. you become a relationship expert? We talk about your life. We talk about mm-hmm. the writers. You talk about that story you did in Huffington Post, but a relationship yeah. expert. How did that happen? Well, it happened because I made so many mistakes in my relationships. Mm-hmm. And then I'm the kind of person who is going to take a mistake and go, OK, what did I do wrong here? Like, what do I need to learn? How am I here to up level? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, that's just my nature. Mm -hmm. So as I learned things, naturally, I would just start talking to people about them. I I worked in newsrooms, as I said, for many years. Newsrooms are rooms with 60 people all having trouble in their relationships. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But you would naturally be in these conversations (laughs) where I'm like talking to the, the reporters or the other writers about their love relationships when I'm supposed to be doing my real job and they would be helped. They'd mm-hmm. be like, wow, you're really helping me. Right. And a lot of it was all the things that I was learning 
because I say I'm the jailhouse lawyer of relationship experts. I had to do so much work on my own case. Now I can help you with yours. And the other thing about me is I'm not the person who got married once and has been married 30 years. I'm still working it out. And I think people can feel the Mm non-judgment and they relate to somebody who's still working on it, even though they've made a lot of mistakes as I have. And I don't carry shame around it. I carry forgiveness for myself, compassion for other people. I really think it's just like relationships are a spiritual path Mm -hmm. and that if you allow them to, they will grow you unlike any other aspect of your life. So that just became where I was releasing my gifts were that I could understand what was going on with people's relationships. And then I had all this sort of, I'm a big reader and, um, you know, I teach myself a lot. I'm basically sort of a self-taught marriage and family therapist. Now I always am in therapy and like my current therapist, sometimes (laughs) he'll be like, wow, that's really good. Can I use that? (laughs) You're funny. You're funny, Tracy. I'm like, sure, have whatever you want. Tracy, I, you know, I I managed Steve Harvey and we released the book, Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man. It sold three million copies. And again, you know, people threw him in that box of relationship expert. Yeah, they did. And -hmm. then he immediately hear this, well, hell, he can't keep up marriage going okay Mm -hmm. how can he tell me what's going on in my life and then of course your situation you know you've had three divorces in your life so that's a negative but also that's a positive too correct i mean i always say you learn more from failure than you do from success Mm -hmm. if you're there for the lesson Mm -hmm. now the other thing is is that i've learned so Mm -hmm. i got married at 19 i got married at 32 and i got married at 40 Mm -hmm. i have not been married in 16 years. Mm -hmm. I learned my lesson, right? I stopped getting married. I stopped moving in with people. Now for the, that is just shifting now. So Mm -hmm. I've been very um, rigorous with myself about what I need to learn and not repeating the same mistakes. Now when you say shifting now, when you say say shifting now, what did you mean when you said shifting now? I I am in a relationship and we live together. Yeah. And that's brand new. It's been like a month. Okay. So uh, what we got to do is uh, in the fall, I'm going I'm to I'm reach back. I'm going to be my show. It's going to be live. still here. We'll find out. <laughs> no, every six, I think, you know, so Tracy, you're going to be my six-month interview. Six months, we're going to check in, find out the relation. You're going to help me out. I'm going to help you out. Because I've been I've been blessed. I've been married 33 years. Nice. And, and you know, in that whole process, there hasn't been rosy along the way. And there have right. been near catastrophes along the way. But, yeah. you know, being that, that that is my hook, my claim to fame in a relationship, yeah. I've been able to hold it together. Now, your yeah. claim to fame right now is on OWN. It's a show yeah. called Family of Fiance. I, yeah. I, I laugh a little bit because of the fact that, uh, you know, I, you know, family does play a role. And let's, let me give everybody the premise of Family or Fiance. It's on own network hosted by Tracy McMillan. One engaged couple, two families who object. Hear me again. Mm-hmm. One engaged couple, two families who object, three days under one roof, and a wedding on the line. Will they earn their family's blessing? Or be forced to choose family or fiance. How did you get involved with this project? Well, I got a call. So I did Oprah's Super Soul Sunday. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was a great experience. And then uh, probably three years, maybe more later, I got a call that Own wanted to do this show called Family or Fiance. 
And I was like, okay. And would I come in and meet? And so I came in and I met and really from that first day, I really just felt like, wow, there, the specific things that I know about and I'm here to do, I can do those things here. And really our show is about healing families. It's about setting up couples for really the, the deep work right. of marriage. And, um, you know, people learn. I, it, it's, in, it's an incredible show. Every episode gives me chills at least once because these couples are so courageous and these families are so courageous and uh, all, yeah, all right. courageous you all, see people who cor- don't want to do the work. Now, Tracy, and, courageous or outrageous? We can put the word outrageous in there too, because some of the things true. there's some outrageousness. Because You're some right. of them come in with a, a set mind, you know, set this a set attitude. That's what I kind of absolutely. Don't like. And but here's the thing I like about the show, and this is what I love about you, and I'm, I'm so happy I'm interviewing you. It's your personality. Like I said, it's so disarming. And I think it's important for this type of show because it's not a combative show. I'm just let you no. know. I'm going to just tell you guys, when you watch this show, um, she almost, I won't use the word disappears, but she kind of like goes into the fabric of the show. She sets everything up and everything. And so we allow ourselves to see the problem. We allow ourselves to see the couples work through the problems and we allow ourselves to find out maybe they are the problem. And that's part of what this show is about, because we're not trying to point a finger. That's what I, that was my greatest takeaway of your show, Tracy. You know, yeah. which is a which is a family of fiance, which is on own network, is that you're not here to be uh, you're wrong, you're right, but to resolve issues that make this couple last a long time. And that's the purpose of getting married. You don't get married to get a divorce. You get married to to you know to death do us part. That is the premise of marriage. So talk about, am I missing the, the points of, of, no. of, of what you're trying to do in the you show? got it. And I think that's part of my approach to relationship coaching is that I already know from being a girlfriend, you know, being just BFFs with people, nobody can tell anybody anything. You know what I'm saying? Right. No right. one ever changed their behavior in a relationship because their friend said, girl, you're going down the wrong path. That's not how it works. Mm -hmm. How it works is you allow people to come to their own conclusion. You give them the dignity of their own process and you just hold up the mirror and you hold a space. It's almost like parenting. You hold a space for this person who has decided to come on the show. So you know the willingness is there Mm -hmm. at some level Mm -hmm. and you let what is inside of them pull them across the finish line pull them into the change, not me being sassy. You know what I'm saying? That get, I'm just a facilitator. The real healing is the couples and the families themselves. Well, you know, the interesting fun part, because I have to, I have to use the word fun, it's entertainment. There's a social oh, yeah. experience, oh, yeah. you know, that we get to see is that just to see the journey of black reality shows. Yes. You know, you know, and you know what I'm saying, child. It was one time, you know, you threw a glass, you cussed somebody out, you punched them in the face, and that's a black reality show. Uh-huh. You didn't talk, you fought. <laughs> you know, it was Jerry Springer, Springer on black steroids. That's what our reality right. shows were. And so you you being invited into this environment, did you have any uh any uh uh questions about what type of what type of 
premise we're doing with this because you're not going to get involved? No, I mean, I could tell from the first meeting with the producers and, you know, just what own the network is about, Mm -hmm. what Oprah Mm -hmm. Winfrey is about. Mm -hmm. It's like we were here for what is highest Mm -hmm. in people. I'm here for what's highest in me. I want the couples to be here for what's highest in themselves and each other and the families. So that's the space I'm holding. Um, That doesn't mean people aren't going to act outrageous at times. They will. That's how people are Mm because people are, you know, humans. They do that. But um, we're not sitting here. That's not the level that we're um, resting in. That's just a place people sometimes go. Mm-hmm. And, but I, I'd say that our show, it, people grow, people heal, and it's real. The look in their eyes when we take the family photo at the very <laughs> end, we do the blessing ceremony, then we go outside immediately and take the family photo. Mm-hmm. And the look that they give me is always, even if the relationship fell apart, mm-hmm. even if things didn't get fully resolved. Mm-hmm. The look in their eyes, whether it's family or the couples is thank you. And I always want to say, it's not me. I'm just a channel. I'm just here. You did the work. You know, it, 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 my background was stand-up comedy. I started out in stand-up comedy. And when I look at you, I'm almost, you know, because she's, Tracy McMillan, she has a very popular uh, TEDx she did called The Person You Really Need to Marry. It was wildly, went wildly viral. And you can find it online. Tracy McMillan, TEDx Talk, The Person You Really Need to Marry. And when and watching that, I felt like I was watching a monologue. I felt like I was watching, without the jokes now, you know, you know this. Yeah. But it felt like I was being entertained and carried on a journey. That's what great comedians do, whether you're Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. or Steve Harvey or Chris Rock. They tell mm-hmm. a story and take you on a journey. And even talking t- to you now, I feel myself being caught up into the mystique, the, the aura of Tracy McMillan. <laughs> what is that, Tracy? Before we wrap up, what is that about you? You you know it's real. You know it's real. Come on now. I don't know. Uh, you know what? My dad would say it's the McMillan charm. <laughs> I've heard him say that. He's like, it's that McMillan charm. Not necessarily about me. He was probably talking about himself. Right. <laughs> but you do have you do have an it. You do have an it factor, correct? I don't know. You know, one time, 25, 30 years ago, right. I was in New York and I was I, I was living in New York and I was looking for a, uh, an apartment and it was a roommate situation. And this girl, I'll never forget it. She said to me after like 10 minutes of visiting, she goes, you're a star. And I remember thinking, what is she talking about? You know, because that is not how I saw myself. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that I remember that. And so I'm willing to be a star if it's here. I'm here to use whatever for the good. And if that's, you know, I feel like I know my purpose. And sometimes I say, you know what? I wasn't going to be on TV, but God gave me TV hair. And so you just have to surrender to whatever it is that you have and be like, all right, I'm here. TV skin. So. You got a lot going on there, Tracy McMillan. I want to say this about you. Uh, thank you for coming on the show. You Thanks are a star. Me. You know, you do have the aura. You do have the it factor. And more importantly, the host of a hit show on own called Family or Fiance. You're wonderful. Remember, every six months, we're going to do our check-in, Tracy. All you're right. Me. Every six months, because <laughs> you're wonderful. Continue to write on those dramas and changing the game and actually changing the game of television. You are a, this is a positive word, you are a beast. 
and the key to your success is you said it. I work hard, and you outwork people. And everybody that I've known who's a very top of their game star, that's the same thing they say over and over. You're not going to outwork me. You can talk to Kevin Hart. You're not going to outwork Stephen A. Smith. You're not going to outwork Stephen Har- Steve Harvey. You're not going to outwork any of these guys, Denzel Washington, Samuel Jackson. So hard work is always applied to longevity, and you have it. Yeah. And congratulations, okay? Thank you. See you soon. I appreciate you. you. If you want to see or hear any interviews I do on Money Making Conversation, please go to moneymakingconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.